0: The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Camp Podcast Network presented by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including the Patreon-only NFL win total contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgampodcast.com slash Patreon. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Here on the Sports cam Podcast Network. It is currently early morning, Monday, July 31st, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun one and a bit of a long one. Three tournaments to preview once again, as we have one clay event in Europe, followed by two separate hardcore events in North America, because you do have one taking place in Mexico, one taking place in Washington, D.C., and you have one clay event taking place in Kitzbühel, uh, Austria. So looking forward to breaking those three down. But before we get into any of that with the outrights and the usual, you know, stuff that we take care of for the outright episodes, do want to recap what exactly unfolded for the last couple of days. First of all, not involved in the actual matches, but starting off with what happened with the podcast over the weekend. Simply put, I was going to initially do episodes like always for the semis and the finals, but there was really not a great scheduling opportunity to do so because of the fact that you had, of course, a couple of events taking place in Europe, which were starting early in the morning, and then you ended up having one event that was starting relatively late because it was in America. So because of that, there was really no proper time to release a podcast. And we do have the same issue unfolding this upcoming week, which I'll get into a rant in a second, but it was especially bad for the semis because not only did you have to actually find a good spot, which didn't exist to record a podcast, but the matches in Atlanta were delayed because of rain on Friday. So I had even less possible time to record, not to mention waiting for the actual lines to drop because the Diminor and Umber match ended late. So I really had no chance to upload a, a semi-finals episode. As for the finals, I probably could have done an episode if I really ended up wanting to, but I had some other stuff that got in the way, not to mention UFC which I was watching, so by the time I finished watching UFC, it was pretty late and decided not to even bother, so apologies there if you were expecting an episode for the last two days, but now here we are to actually try to resume our normal schedule, so we're going to be going through the uh, three tournaments for the upcoming week. Once again, though, going to segue into my rant here. The schedule sucks for the sake of podcasting. I know, once again, as a tennis fan, and even just as an organizer, they don't care about the actual schedule of tennis podcasters, but it is extremely annoying when you have to try to find a good time to give all of you proper time to actually place bets and to actually listen to the content on the show. And if I recorded, for example, in the middle of the afternoon, I can't because you have the U S events that are taking place. So I don't have lines up for half the matches for the next round. I can't do it that early in the morning because once again, the European tournament starts at five in the morning. So I, once again, am not giving you ample time. So it's basically a lose, lose situation. And I've yet to find a proper solution to the problem. I had the same issue last year. So I'm going to have to potentially skip some tournament matches or maybe some tournaments in general, and maybe do an episode later in the week of only, for example, Los Cabos and for Washington DC, or maybe I'll do one for Kitzbühel and some other one and skip the third. The point is, I'm going to have to sacrifice some content one way or another because I can't keep recording episodes at 4 in the morning solely because it's the best hypothetical time, even though I'm giving all of you basically one hour to place your bets on Kitzbühel. So it's really tricky. I'm going to have to find a way to do it. But the point is, it really just circles back to the absurdity of continuing the clay season in Europe when we're already past the grass season. I get it a lot of countries only have clay courts or mostly clay courts. But at some point you got to realize that the tennis season is moving on and you can keep trying to stay in Europe to play clay two fifties, but damn man, like at some point you're going to have to end it and just accept the fact that it's hardcore season. And I'm waiting for that to happen. But until then we're stuck in no man's land for scheduling. So I'm going to have to deal with it. And as a result, hopefully hopefully, I'm going to try to coordinate my block and dog picks to avoid Kitzbühel matches. I'm going to preview the outrights for the sake of the match, but for the sake of actual picks in matches, it's going to be tough because once again, the episodes are being recorded early in the morning and you're looking at the start time of the matches. It's about three hours, four hours difference, so you're not going to have much time to actually get your bets in. So I'm going to try to skip Kitzbühel for the lock and dog picks to try to give all of you extra time to place your bets. But just keep that in mind. Once again, it is a very annoying spot to be in. But anyway, time to actually recap what happened over the weekend. And I'll start off with the finals because it's really the only thing there is to recap. And then we'll work backwards. So starting off with the actual matchups itself, you had two big favorites and then you ended up having a decent favorite. With Wawranka at around minus 220, and Zverev and Fritz were laying a ton. Uh, The Fritz match was a war, and Fritz probably should have won in straight sets. He had two match points late in the second set, and he ended up choking that away, then lost the tiebreaker, but he eventually regained his nerve and won the third set 6-4. So Fritz did win the title in Atlanta, And he was a minus 500 and change favorite in that match. So he should have won. But once again, it was very competitive. Zverev was able to win in his home country as well, as he was able to win in Hamburg, as he was a minus 450 favorite and he won in straight sets. And then you had the war in Umong between Papyron and Warenka. Uh, somebody asked me on Twitter what my thoughts were on the match. I thought the Warenka price was insane. I think he should have been favored, but minus 220 was ridiculous. I liked the over in the match, and it got there. Uh, very entertaining. Papyron arguably should have won in straight sets, but he choked away the first set when he was serving for it, and he ended up uh, losing serve. Then he had a chance in the breaker to go up, uh, uh, I think it was a mini break, and he just squandered some, some chances. baranka kept his nerve, won the breaker. Even though I think Papyron actually outplayed him in the first set, and then Papyron was able to maintain that level while while Ranke dipped a little bit, and Papyron eventually got the job done. So overall, one underdog won. Uh, but Vukic did cover, I believe. So you looked at the actual spreads here, and the underdog ended up going two and one. ATS, but for the actual money line, you got the smallest under, underdog money line that cashed uh, because Papyron won at around plus 175. But Warrenka, I'm going to give props to for making it to a final. Did he have an easy path? N- kind of, not really. I mean, beating Sonigo in straight sets was impressive. Uh, Bayina, I thought he would end up beating, but Baina looked better than I thought he was going to. Coria was in decent form. And Missilich was in okay form, so Orenko had a decent path, but overall he just fell up. He just fell a bit short, and Papyron was very solid and was able to win an ATP title. So congrats to Papyrin. Uh Looking at Zverev, he finally got over the hump. He had the easiest draw imaginable to win a tournament, but still counts the same. Uh, to go through Zverev's overall path here: beat Mulkan, beat Terror beat Van Asch, beat Fils, and beat Dujir. So you're looking at Zverev's highest-ranked opponent that he beat, and it was really, really weak. So once again, Zverev did win a title, but he was very fortunate not to face anybody in in high ranking because Phils was able to beat Rude, for example, and in the bottom half, everybody lost, whether it was Sonigo or whether it was Rublev. Everyone lost, and Zverev was just the last main Uh, I'd say, high seed standing. So it wasn't Zverev's fault he had an easy draw because all the other main guys lost. But I will point out Zverev did have, I don't want to say a fluky title, but he was pretty fortunate with who he played. So I'm going to mention that. And as for Fritz, he looked good for the most part. Uh, once again, did struggle a bit there in the final against Vukic, but he got it done. Did not drop a set, though, leading into that match. So it, he definitely looked a lot better than he did in the last couple of weeks uh, leading up to the hard court season. But did a good job in general. And congrats to Fritz for winning another title. Don't really have much more to add on the women's side. Swiatek ended up winning 6-0, 6-1 in Warsaw. So she ended up winning an WTA title in her home country as well. So if you blindly backed people in their home country, it did well, because once again, Swiatek won, Fritz won, and Zverev won. So there you go. But either way, time to get into the actual previews for the upcoming tournaments. Don't have any actual news to talk about. We did miss a couple days, so if I'm forgetting something, then apologies, but once again, I feel like going through the actual finals on Sunday is probably good enough. But anyway, time to start off in chronological order with the clay event in Kitzbühel, so I'm going to start off with the actual history of the event. So to go through the winners, you had Batista Gut as the winner last year. Beating Mislic of all people last year, uh, Mislic was trying to be the Cinderella home country guy to win, and he got buried in the final six two six two. Year before that, you had Rood who ended up beating Pedro Martinez in three. Kekmanovic won the year before that against Hoffman. Team won it in twenty nineteen against Ramos Vinolas, and then you had a bunch of retired players before that. Team did end up being a runner up in twenty fourteen, so he had a respectable showing there but once again team is not the same guy and i'm not sure if any of those results mean a damn so not really much to read into for the sake of the uh history of the event but if you want to actually look at the odds here for the uh, for the tournament uh looking at the favorite you have Catching as the favorite at +600 is at +750 that's you know it's a it's a really weak field because Catching's the favorite and Echeveri is the second favorite Baez is eight to one. Offner's ten to one. Hofmann's ten to one. DeGier, who was the runner-up over the weekend, is eleven to one. Full disclosure: I will be fading DeGier because I think he's going to be exhausted, so I will not take him at eleven to one. Altmaier is a twelve to one. Team is at twelve to one, which is why I brought up Team in the first place. Uh, Majedovic is sixteen to one. Siebold Wild is twenty to one. He's been a little bit underwhelming ever since the French Open. Uh, Varias is twenty-two to one. Zhang is 22 to 1. Papyron is 22 to 1. I am not expecting Papyron to actually show up for the event, but if he does, then I will be fading him as well. Uh, Rinder at 22 to 1. Uh, Baina at 25 to 1. Ramos Finolas at 25 to 1. Wahovic at 25 to 1. You get the point. So, as you can tell, this is a very, very open tournament where anybody could win. I mentioned a lot of guys that were 25 to 1 or below. So, you might see a Cinderella story here. Kachin did win an ATP title a couple weeks ago. Should he be the favorite in this tournament? Debatable, but once again, 6-1, to one, I'm not fully tempted by, but I'm going to save my full opinions on the actual odds for the draw, which I will get into right now. So starting off with Kachin, who is actually towards the bottom half, but not all, all the way at the way bottom. First of all, I'm going to skip him because he has a really tough draw. He has a bye in the first round, which helps but he would face off against the winner of the Vareus and Ramos-Vinolas match. Very fun match in the first round by the way. But the point is Cashin doesn't exactly have an easy first match here. Then he'd have to face off against either De O'Connell, Wild or Novak, which is definitely an easier matchup than Ramos-Vinolas or Vareus, but still the point is that it isn't exactly the easiest draw. And assuming Cashin gets by both guys, he'd have to face off against probably Hoffman. In theory, Papyron, but I think once again Papyron might drop. So Hoffman might be in line to face off against Catchin. Catchin might beat him. But I do think that draw is a bit too difficult to actually take 6-1. to You can shop around to find better odds. But for convenience, I found one book that had all three tournaments on one page. So as a result, I'm going to be using BetMGM's odds for the sake of this. And maybe after I give out some picks, I'll go back to Fandle or some other book and look at some alternative odds to see if I could find something better. But catch, I'm going to pass on because I do think that that draw is a bit difficult. Now, looking at... The other side of the bracket, you have Echeverry, and Echeverry does have a buy. Then you face off against uh, either, probably Missolij, if I'm being honest. And Missolij once again was the defending runner-up, and he is the home country guy, so that's not the easiest matchup. And Missolij has been okay lately. Echeverry has been a bit cold for the last couple of weeks, so I do think once again Echeverry isn't worth uh, being a relatively short price based on recent form. So I'm going to pass there, assuming he gets by. Uh, Misalich, he would face off against either Ketchinato Galan, who's or Altmaier. I'm assuming Altmaier, and I think that's actually a difficult matchup for Echeverry. So I am going to pass on both of those, uh, but I will look at maybe taking a local guy that I think actually has a decent price. I am considering Offner, and I was fading Offner last week because I thought those odds were just way too low, but getting a home country guy Maybe it's just recency bias because the home country guys did well last weekend. But I think if you're looking at Offner at around ten to one, his draw is really not that bad. And to look at his actual draw uh quickly, Offner has a matchup against uh probably Van Ash. He's against Mulcan. Van Ash did play a lot over the past week, so you can make an argument that matchup might not be the easiest, but he'd face off after that against either Baina, Pella, or Baez or Majedovic. Majedovic, Majedovic-Baez is also a very good match in the first round. So maybe Offner can get it done. But the more I'm actually talking it out loud, the less I might be a full fan of it at those odds. I just think Offner is not a good enough player to be around 10-1, to which is kind of scaring me off. But if you want the local angle... That might be worth a look. So I think I'm going to pass on Offner as well, the more that I talk about it out loud. So looking at the other options here, Baez at 8-1, to one, I'm not taking. I like Baez as a player, but based on recent form, I don't think it's worth it. And I do think that Baez, once again, with the unforced errors, is going to potentially struggle in some 3-cent marathons if his shots betray him, which we have seen. Now, I do think one guy that I am looking at is Hoffman, and Hoffman has been a bit hit or miss lately, but he did make a final here uh, in 2020, and I believe last year he ended up making a decent run to the semis, I think. So he has made some good runs here in the past, and it is a decent draw. Uh, Once again, he's a buy in the first round than either Papyrin or Rinderknecht, and Rinderknitsch not a great clay player, Papyrin is pretty good on clay. just won a tournament. But since he just won a tournament, I do think he might actually drop or he might lose early because of fatigue. So I think Hoffman's got a decent path there. They need to face off against either Team Bagnus, Zhang, or Lahovich. I'd let them all kill each other, and then Hoffman gets the scraps. So I think the first quote-unquote favorite I'm going to take for this tournament would be... And I do have some quarter rods, so I think I'm actually going to take that approach instead. So we'll get the actual first quarter. I'll go in order. You have Echeverry at plus 140. You have Altmaier at plus 260. Galan's at 550. Misalich is 650. Cacinato's 11 to 1. horse 12 to 1. That's basically it. So at Cheveri, I'm not taking at plus 140. I don't think there's enough value on it. Galan's interesting because Golan has actually been playing some decent tennis lately, but he's not a good enough server. He pretty much only rallies and facing off against Kachinato first round isn't the easiest matchup, so I think I'm going to pass on him. Galan, I think, should win that one, but that could be a toss-up, so I think I'm going to pass. Kachinato kind of found some of his form in uh, that last event in Umag, and then he lost in straight sets, including a tiebreaker that was competitive against Sunigo So Kachinato has been a streaky player for a while. He might be in decent form now, so Galan is a little bit dangerous there, so I'm going to pass. Misselwich is interesting because I think he really should win his first round match. I'm going to take him as the as the defending runner up at plus six fifty to win the quarter. I think that is pretty appealing, and I am going to go Altmaier at plus two sixty. I like that. I like those odds as well. Ketchinato at eleven to one I think is a, is intriguing for those odds. I would have said no if it was like eight to one, but at eleven to one I think it is worth a flyer because I thought he actually looked decent uh, in Umag over the last couple of days. So. Once again, give me Altmaier at 260, give me Misalich at 650, and give me Cechinato at 11 to one. moving into the actual second quarter, you have Offner at 220, you have Baez at three to one, Majetovich at 550, Bayina at 550, Van Asha at 650, Mulcahy at 850, and Pella at nine to one. This quarter is an absolute roulette spin. I have no idea who's going to win this quarter. So if you want to pick some random numbers and hope that it lands on your number, then I'm rooting for you. But for the sake of this actual quarter, damn, this is tough. Like, the favorites are plus 220, so you know that this whole thing's going to be a circus anyway. But the lowest odds are 9-1. to This could really go to anybody. I think Van Ash is not a good enough server. He's not going to win enough free points. Baez is kind of the same way. Majedovic is a good server, but he commits a lot of unforced errors, so I think that could be a problem. But I actually do like Majedovic's form, and he did end up making a semi a couple of weekends ago. I like the fact that Majedovic ended up not playing much tennis last week, so he is relatively rested. Baina, I think, is in good form, kind of. He was injured, and then he ended up playing last week and looked decent, but the injury concerns are still there. Offner makes sense for the home country angle, But I think my favorite value play would probably be Majedovic. But he's against Baez in round one, which is really difficult. So it's really a tough spot to find anybody that I really, really like. And I feel like if you want to talk about some value, Baina is probably worth a look. I got to look at his head-to-head numbers against Pella. He's one and one against Pella. Uh, They played... uh, He's actually 2 and one They played twice on clay. One in 2014. I didn't realize they were around for that long. Uh, but Pella is actually 2-0 on clay against Baena. Then again, the last matchup in general was 2019, so I'm not sure if that matters. But I do think if you're looking at where the value might be, I'd probably lean Majedovic. But I really don't have much for the second quarter, which I know sounds like a missed opportunity because, once again, there's a lot of big prices there. But I have no damn idea who's going to win this quarter. And the whole quarter is really just a bunch of bad matchups or very even matchups. I I got nothing for this quarter. I might just take a bunch of blind overs. I think you're going to see a lot of long deciding set matches. But damn, I got nothing in the second quarter. So moving on to the third quarter, you have catch in a plus 175 degier. At 333, uh, you have Vareas at 550, Sebald Wild, at 6-1, to Ramos Fanoulis at 650, O'Connell at 10-1, to one. and Novak at 11-1. to one. So Katchen, I think, is worthy of being a favorite. I'm not sold on his draw, so 175, I think, is a bit short. I'm going to pass. is going to be exhausted. I'm going to pass on him, too, which means I'm looking at Vareas or Ramos Fanoulis, and they play against each other which is also really annoying. So I think I'm going to have to go with the long shot play here. I know last... I forgot if it was last year or earlier this year. I gave out O'Connell to win a quarter at 10-1, to 1, and he ended up choking away uh, an opportunity against Kotov, I think, to win the quarter, which was really annoying. But I'm going to go with O'Connell to get it done here. I think 10 to one's a good price. He did lose early in the last tournament he was in to Piro, so he is relatively rested. But I think when you're looking at, once again, DeGere's fatigue, and you have Seaboth Wild has been a bit hit or miss or Novak, I do think, once again, you're looking at a spot where you're probably going to want to target that section and let Catchin and Vareas and ramos Vinolas kill each other. Yes, your guy will probably be a dog in the quarters, but the sacrifice you're going to have to make because you're going to get a pretty nice plus price there. So I do think, once again, even though Novak is Austrian, that Seaboth Wild is the better clay player compared to Novak. So I do think that Seaboth wild can make a potential run here if he regains form. O'Connell's 1-0, though, uh, or I should say 1-1 and against De DeGere. DeGere did bury him on clay back in 2016, but it was a long time ago. I do think the two plays I'm going to actually give out for this section, it's not going to be Varese and it's not going to be ramos Vinolos. I wanted to, but I really don't know who's going to win in that match, so I'd rather potentially wait and take the winner moving forward. But I do think I am going to go with Sebald Wild to 6-1, to and I think I am going to go with O'Connell at 10-1. Uh, to They really just have decent paths if they're able to get by DeGere, and you're hoping that once again, catchin and Varias and Ramos-Vanolas kill each other and you get something left over. But fading DeGier who made a final and played a lot of tennis over the weekend in Germany... I do think that's a good spot to fade somebody, so I do think there are some open opportunities for some longer shots there, or maybe the idea that Dajir might drop. There's no guarantee he even participates in this event, so that's my thoughts on the third quarter. And for the fourth quarter, you have Hoffman at two to one, Team at two fifty, Zhang at six to one, Papyron at six to one, Wlhojovic at six to one, Rinderknecht at eight fifty, and Bagnus at sixteen to one. So I think it's pretty telling that even though Team is the home country guy, that Hoffman's favored to win the actual quarter. I agree. I like Hoffman at two to one. Team at two fifty. I know he lost to Hoffman in this exact tournament last year, so I'm not sold on Team. Team will have one good match every tournament, then he falls apart in the next match. Zhang's been in good form. So I think Zhang's actually appealing. Uh, papyron I would be tempted by if he didn't win last week because fatigue's in a matter once again. So I do think if I'm looking at the actual path here, Zhang does play against Lahovich, which is a really annoying matchup, and then the winner would face off against team. So I definitely love Hoffman in this quarter because he's facing off against either a compromised papyron, a papyron that might withdraw and get a lucky loser, or Rinderknecht who's not very good on clay. And then that's basically a buy or I should say a very good draw into the uh, quarterfinals because he has a bye in the first round. So I think I'm going to play it safe here, actually. And I'm just going to go with Hoffman. I'm going to let everybody else take care of each other. And hopefully you end up surviving at the end. Now, Zhang ended up beating Lachowicz in convincing fashion in the French Open 6-1-4-1 with a retirement. So Lachowicz was clearly injured. But it seems like he kind of regained some of his form last week, and Zhang did make it to a semi, played a lot of tennis. So you make an argument, Lahovich maybe can make a run. But I'm expecting Hoffman to make it to the quarters And a 2-1. to one. He might be a favorite that's good enough for me. So that'll be my pick, my only pick for the quarter. So based on what we have with the quarters, now it's time to circle back to the actual outrights here. I'm going to go with Hoffman at 10-1. to one. I just think that's a pretty good price. Altmaier, I am tempted by, but a 12-1, to I don't know if it's actually worth it because he is around 260 to win the quarter. And I'm thinking if it's even worth gambling on him to win the actual event, if I can just take him to win the quarter at 260, which is the safer play, because that quarter does have some chances, but it's also a little bit weak in terms of not many superstar players at the top. So that's one of those I'm going to have to check the, the lines, which I might actually do right now. Because I think that if I could get uh, Altmaier at around like sixteen to one, I'd consider. But I do think if you're looking at twelve to one, that does feel a little bit short. So let me just quickly see if I can find a uh, good value there on him. But I think Altmaier can make a can make some noise in this overall tournament, and I do think that he's in line to play well. I did not mention, by the way, the overall court speed of these events. So Kitzbühel to go first is one of the slowest clay events in out of the entire schedule. There are some ones that are, you know, slower, but basically you're looking at the history of the winners in Kitzbühel. It's a lot of good ralliers with not a lot of pace. You had Batista, Gut, uh, You had rude, Kegmanovich team, uh, Cleason, Cole Schreiber, Lorenzi guys that might have some firepower, but mostly good ralliers, Ramos, Vinolas and, Martinez and Misalich, for example, made finals here. Uh, Zhao Souza made a final here. You got my point. There's going to be a lot of long rallies. And as a result, firepower has not exactly translated to immediate success in this event. But looking at some odds for comparison, uh, I was once again finding Altmaier a 12 to 1. So I don't see anything different. I am going to take Altmaier, though. I think his quarter is not that bad. And I think that he's in pretty good form. He had a bad match against Jang. It happens, but I think there's some value there. Uh, besides that, though, looking at everyone else, I'm tempted by... I think there might... Uh, I don't think O'Connell can win the event, and I don't think Seaboth Wild can win the event. So I'm going to pass on them. I don't really have much uh, for the sake of, once again, this tournament... It's really a tournament that can go to anybody. So I'm not going to spend that much time trying to break down every single player giving you their chances because a lot of clay specialists can win a tournament like this because the bracket is so weak at the top. So for the sake of my actual plays, give me Hoffman a 10-1, to 1, give me Altmaier a 12-1. to 1. And if you want to go for any type of long shot that I think could maybe make, make some noise... I'm not going to take Misolic, even though he did make the, once again, the finals last year. But I think, I actually, a part of me is kind of drawn to Lahovich Again, I mean, he's against Zhang in the first round, which is really annoying. Like A lot of these guys I like, but they have a tough first round matchup. And at that point, that's going to be annoying to even get out of the first round. I think I'm going to cut it off from there. If I wanted to add one other person, it might actually be Kachinato. Uh, which is potentially a donation. But for the sake of value, Kachinato is 50 to one in a tournament like this. That's probably worth something. I found 65 to one. I think he's a good enough player to warrant getting lower odds than that. Like 65 to one is a little bit disrespectful for a guy that actually was playing better tennis over the last couple of days. I found 66 to one on uh, offshore so that might be the best line I could find. Let me just quickly see if I can find uh, a better odds to actually win the event. I doubt it. Now, I found 6-6 six, six to 1 on Bet365, so I guess that'll be my super, super long shot there. But you're pricing Cachinato in the same spot as Hussler and Bagnus and a couple other guys who just aren't nearly as talented on clay. Give me Cachinato as my serious long shot at 6-6 to 1. But that's going to wrap up Kitzbühel, and now it's time to move on to... To uh, Washington. So starting off with Washington, D.C., to go through the history of this event, you have had a decent amount of firepower actually win. You had Kyrgios uh, winning last year. Then you had center the year before that. You had Kyrgios again in 2019. Zverev in 18 and 17. Monfie in 2016. I still remember that Karlovic choke job where he triple match point while serving. 40 love with A shot to win the tournament, and he choked. I believe he lost the next five points. I still remember that. I was watching that live, and I couldn't believe Karlova choked it. But anyway, uh, Nishikori won in 2015. Uh, You had Rayonich winning in 2014. Del Potro in 2013. And you get the point. But you have seen a decent amount of big servers make deep runs. Uh, Medvedev made a final here. He's a good server in uh, 2019. You had... Anderson make a final. Karlo, uh, Karlovich made a final. Isner made two finals. You get the point. Having a good serve helps. Washington does play pretty fast for hard court, so a good serve definitely can give you a lot of edge in heads up in head to head matches. Uh, for example, you might get a bunch of tiebreakers. I still remember the Kyrgios and. Tiafo match from last year in D.C., which was a tiebreak fest for the first two sets. It was a war, but the point is you, you didn't really get many breaks, and I think that a good serve can once again propel somebody to making a deep run. Now, that's going to segue me into the actual odds for this event because Fritz is the favorite, and Fritz does have a good serve. However, I'm not going to take him because I do think when you're looking at the actual spot for a guy that just played a bunch of tennis, a guy that had to play a three-set marathon in hot weather in Atlanta, and now he's traveling to play in D.C. It's not a great spot for Fritz. Now, Fritz does have a bye, which should help him out. But the point is, once again, it is going to be a pretty difficult spot, just physically, for Fritz to run the table again, and go from the round of 32 all the way to winning the tournament again after doing it last week. So I'm not going to take Fritz. I think that even though he's a good server, and if he made a deep run, it would not shock me. I do think you're looking at a spot where I have to trust what has worked in the past, which is fading people off of successful runs the week prior. And I think because of that, Fritz is going to go down in flames. Now to look at the other options here, Corda might be appealing at six, at 9-1, to one. But I do wonder about his overall just uh say fitness level. And he's not played on hard court for a while because he ended up losing in the first round of Wimbledon, and I don't believe he ever played since. So Tiafo I'm gonna take. Tiafo probably should have beaten Kyrgios last year, and he's from the area. He's the local guy, so I do think that the fan base will be all over Tiafo. So I like Tiafo to win. I will acknowledge his draw isn't the easiest in the world. In fact, it actually is quite difficult early on. He has a buy in the first round. Then Karatsev or Panu, definitely going to be Karatsev. He's like a minus 1500 favorite. I'm assuming Tiafo is going to beat him, but Karatsev on hardcore can never uh, be a complete walkover as, you know, Karatsev still has the firepower to make it interesting. Then either Shelton or Zhang. So you might get an immediate rematch there, there between Shelton and Zhang. I, I think Shelton's probably going to lose because he has not played great tennis, but good server. We'll see what happens. Uh, Zhang played very well in Atlanta, but eventually lost uh, to to uh, Kyrios. But uh, not Kyrios, sorry, he lost to uh, Nishikori. But the point is, Zhang is a guy who I think is a good player. Could use a better serve, but I think that Tiafoe would beat him or Shelton. So I do like Tiafo to end up making it out of that section. And then he probably would face off against Korda, but Korda would have to face off against Cressy in the second round, most likely. And that's not the easiest spot. Korda's a great returner. He should win that match. But Cressy, with the speed of the hard court, might be able to win a couple breakers. So not the easiest first hard court match in months for Korda uh, to deal with. So I'm going to pass on Korda to look at anybody else I'm tempted by. I mentioned that once again, Fritz. I'm not interested in. I can make a case for Murray, but I'm not going to do it. If Murray made a deep run, I wouldn't totally be shocked. Eubanks is interesting because I do think Eubanks could make a run here. I know he struggled against Vukic, but Vukic turned out to actually be a pretty good player in that event. So I'm not going to fully roast uh, Eubanks for his performance there. But Eubanks, if you're looking at the odds, he's 18 to one. Like that's that's pretty good odds for a guy that has been you know, kind of surging up the ATP rankings. And once again, an American who should be getting crowd support. And if you're expecting to get to a bunch of breakers, he definitely can get it done. Uh, But you're looking at who he might face off against. And it would be, he has a bye in the first round. Than either Harris or Nishikori. Nishikori has a knee issue, so we'll see what happens there. I think Eubanks is better than Harris. They faced off on grass a couple of, about a month ago or so. Uh, but the point is, Eubanks did win that one, and Harris has not looked that sharp on hard court. So I think that Eubanks probably gets it done there. And Manorino should probably end up beating the likes of Anderson or Thompson, but those aren't easy matchups at all. So I think I can see a world where you see Eubanks with a decent overall path. Then he'd face off against either Fritz or Murray. Eubanks, I think, could potentially beat Fritz if you go to a bunch of breakers. So that is kind of appealing. The hurt catch quarter is really the interesting one because he might face off against Wolf in the quarters and. I'll tell you what, that's a really good match. Uh, that might be the round of 16, actually. But the point is, they might face off early, but I do like the draw for both players. That does wrap around to Bublik, but Bublik, when know, is a head case, and you can't really trust him in any surface. So I do think if I'm looking at some value, I trust catch more than Wolf. catch uh, has actually won a couple ATP events before. So give me catch as my other uh, low price guy at around 10 to 1. But... I do think my favorite two uh, picks here for, or my favorite three picks here are going to be Tiafo at around 9 to 1, Hercatch at 10 to 1. And I will go with Eubanks at 18 to 1. I thought about Bublik and maybe I can make a case for Bublik at 18 to 1. 18 to 1, actually, might, that might, might actually be worth something. Like I'm, I'm trying to just see the path here for um, Bublik. Monfi or for Tangelo? Then Greek Spore, Mutet or Brody. I think I have to give out uh Bublik. That draw is actually quite favorable. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna do it. Uh so once again, my four picks for Washington. I don't have quarter odds, so apologies there. But I'm gonna go with Tiafo at around nine to one, uh her catch at ten to one, then I'm gonna throw in Eubanks at eighteen to one and Bublik at eighteen to one. But let me quickly just see if I could find any better uh Odds for any of those guys, so I'm quickly pulling up Fanduel to see what I can get. Uh, looking at Fanduel for Washington, uh, let me see what I got. So starting off with the odds, Tiafo is the same. Uh, her catch I found eleven to one, which is definitely better. And Eubanks and Bublik are seventeen to one apiece. So you are getting some value on Bublik. Uh, and Eubanks, because you're getting an extra 100, but that's not really enough to brag about. So I don't have much more to add for that. Let me just check once again the odds on Bet365 to see if I could find anything else. Uh, just quickly looking. Uh, what do we have here? Uh, so Tiafo is cheaper. Uh, these odds aren't going to work in my favor. No. So the only help I have left is DraftKings. Let's see what we can get from this one. Uh, big bucks, big bucks, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Stop. Uh, For this one, we have, no, basically the same odds. So I got nothing. This one, though, does have Bublik at 14 to 1. So you are getting about 400 extra just by shopping around. So keep that in mind. But that's basically going to wrap it up for the sake of Washington. So once again, uh, no quarters. So apologies, but it is what it is. And moving into Los Cabos. Now, this one is kind of the opposite of hard courts compared to Washington because Los Cabos has had a lot of good ralliers win recently. The last couple winners, you had Medvedev, who's kind of a jack of all trades, but still beat Nori in the final. Uh, Nori won in 2021, beating Nakashima. Uh, then you had twenty nineteen, which was Schwartzman winning. Twenty eighteen was Fognini winning. So the point is, rallying definitely pays off because this is a slower hard court. So just keep that in mind. But for the sake of this actual draw in Los Cabos, the favorite is a pretty hefty one because Sizapas is plus one forty, uh, is plus a uh, one seventy five. Nori is plus four fifty. Dim- Dim- uh, Diminor is plus five fifty. Paul is plus six fifty. Chorich is nine to one. Jari is eleven to one. Isner's fourteen to one. That's a joke, and everybody else is thirty-three to one or more. So, for starters, am I going to take Sitsipas? Probably not. I think Sitsipas should. Keyword should make a deep run here, but once again, I'm not sure if I can actually trust Sitsipas to seal the deal. And you might have to face off against Jari in the quarters, which might not be fun. Uh, Chorich has been in good form lately, and he has a pretty good draw. So maybe Chorich can make a run. I saw him in the Hopman Cup, and he was actually pretty good. So maybe Chorich might be worth something. I'll get back to him in a second, uh, but I think that could be worth a flyer. Uh, Dimonor has a pretty solid path as well, but he would face off against Tommy Paul, which is really annoying because I liked both Dimonor and Tommy Paul in this event. So now I'm not sure who I can actually take I think based on current form, I probably would trust Paul more. Dimonor really has not been playing the greatest level of tennis lately. And I do think that Dimonor, after losing in a relatively straightforward match against Umber, I think Tommy Paul has what it takes to potentially beat him. And I do think that Tommy Paul getting better odds makes them more appealing. It is close, though. I will concede. So it's not like it's a shock that once again... I'm picking Paul to win over Dimonor because I think that it's basically a coin flip, but you're giving Paul higher odds. So I think there is automatically going to be value on that. But I am quickly just checking some other books, see if I could find better prices. Do I think Nori can win it? Because Nori, once again, has made the final the last two years. I think that definitely is worth a flyer because he has been that good at this particular event. And his draw is very favorable Has a buy in the first round. Then probably Kovacevic and then probably either Kepfer, Vera, Vertanen, or Duckworth. So Nori should be cruising into the quarters, which is definitely a good start. And then he'd face off against either once again, Vera or Kepfer. So he's cruising into the semis. And then if he gets into that, he's facing off against either Diminor or against Paul, which is not easy, but you're hoping those two guys kill each other. But I, there's three guys that I like that are all in basically the same spot of the bracket. So I think for the sake of this, I'm gonna go with Nori at 450. I'm gonna go with Paul at 6 to 1. Or I found 650. So give me Nori at plus 450. Give me uh Paul at 650, and I will go with Chorich at what I think is nine to one. Let me just quickly see if I could find any better odds uh for him to get the job done. I don't see it. So I think nine to one is the best I'm gonna get uh for Chorich, which I think is appealing. Jari I'd be tempted by, but nah I'd face off against Sitsi Pass, and that would still be relatively early on. So I'm not gonna bother. But I do think once again those guys that I mentioned have some value to their name. So I am going to go with them to get the job done in this spot. But if it blows up my face, then it is what it is. A lot of underwhelming options here on hardcore which is why you only have a select amount that are lower than 15 to 1. But anyway, uh, that's actually going to wrap it up for the sake of this episode. In terms of the outright picks, I really don't have much more to add. I'm not going to take Poss. I'm not interested. I just don't trust him enough. If he gets there, then good for him, but I'm not going to pick it. Nori, I am going with... And once again, I'm going to hope the other two guys can get it done. But that's going to wrap it up. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the show from a matches perspective. Before we do that, I'm going kind to of have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by the Sportscam Podcast Patreon. Sportscam Podcast Patreon is the perfect place for the diehard d Sign up for the Patreon, exclusive access to contests, including the NFL Win Totals contest with a $1,000 first-place prize, plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast, an ad-free, uncensored show highlighting the best stories from decades of being degenerate gamblers. There is even a Discord channel just for patrons. The SportsCam podcast has, and always will, give out all their picks for free. The Patreon is a great way to support the network and fight back against corporate gambling. SportsCampodcast.com slash Patreon. SportsCampodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. The NFL season's right around the corner, and Underdog Pick'em is a great way to get down your favorite player props, and is available in a ton of markets. Plus, plenty of opportunities to win in their daily MLB contests, and of course, make sure to enter Best Ball Mania 4, where first place gets $3 million in cash. Head over over rookfantasy.com and use the promo code sgpn for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100 on promo code sgpn. Welcome back everyone to the Tennis Gambling podcast. Just finished previewing the three tournaments taking place over the next week in Kitsbull, in Los Cabos and in Washington DC. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks for the actual matches. Starting off with the lock for the show, I am going to go to a matchup taking place between Zhang and Gomez, and I'm going to go with Zhang to get the job done here in straight sets at minus 125. Simply put, Zhang's been in good form recently, and I do I do know that, once again, he lost to Nishikori over the weekend, but he still looked pretty good in that overall match. Point is, he has been playing well against weaker competition, and he has been winning in straight sets quite regularly, as he was forced to go through qualifying here, won in straight sets both times but he has done a good job of getting off to fast starts and maintaining that level of just quality, and he is 2-0 lifetime against Gomez with both wins coming via straight sets. So the point is he has dominated this particular opponent before. Gomez has been a mess on hard court recently as he ended up losing in Ecuador to Jessica in straight sets. He also lost to Uchiyama twice in straight sets, Uh, lost to Ferreira Silva in straight sets point is he's losing to a lot of players who are definitely weaker than Zhang than Shang. And I think that Shang should be able to win this one because of it. I know he's still a teenager, Shang, but he's still a very solid player. And I just think that Gomez isn't fundamentally sound enough to fully dethrone him. So because of that, give me the 18 year old to win in straight sets of minus minus one twenty-five. And for my dog, I am going to go to a first set total play in a matchup in Los Cabos between Hichikata and Isner, and I am going to go with the over at 10.5 games at plus 110. Simply put, just looking at how these players match up, Isner can't move, so he's still serving well, but he really can't return. And Hichikata, I think, is crafty enough to survive a couple of long rallies here against Isner, but you're looking at what Isner is going to most likely do. I'm assuming struggle to actually break and at some point kind of just punt it and try to rely solely on winning tiebreakers. But the overall match total for this is 25 and a half. So you're looking at what should be a pretty long drawn out match. And I think when you're looking at once again, just how these players match up against each other. They play opposite styles. Isner is a big server, and Hichikata is only about 5'10", 5, 5'11". 5, so Isner should be able to get a lot of serves past Hichikata, especially early on in this match before fatigue potentially takes over. On the other side, Hichikata hits a lot of shots in play and likes to rally, and Isner is incapable of actually hitting more than five shots in a row in play. So give me the over 10.5 games in the first set. I see a feeling out process, and I do think that eventually you might end up with a breaker. But I will give myself a bit of insurance there just in case for a 7-5 draw. Uh, But I am seeing if I could find any better odds. So I found plus 130 on DraftKings. So that's now the new leader in the clubhouse. Let me see what I can find uh, for a first set total. Sorry, let me just quickly check if I could find it. Uh, First set total, no, it's 108 on FanDuel. Okay, so I'm going to go with 130. On DraftKings as my dog. So once again, the lock for the show will be Shang to win in straight sets against Gomez at minus 125 on FanDuel. And my dog will be uh Hitchikata and Isner first set over 10 and a half games at plus 130 on DraftKings. That's gonna wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back later in the week for these three tournaments. Until next time, though, find me on Twitter, Right Show Radio, find me on the other shows with SGPN, the NBA show the WNBA show, the MLB show, the NFL show, et cetera. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.